to uh, continue the events after Calvary and after the mighty resurrection of Jesus of Nazareth from the grave to what followed as it is recorded by Luke our first historian in the book of Luke chapter 24 verse 49 and then connect the end of Luke, the gospel, to Acts chapter 1, yes, at uh, our senior pastor's request for the message for today, you see the gospel of St. Luke originally was connected directly to the book of Acts as one volume in the early church. St. Luke wrote one book, and that book was made of two parts. Part one was the gospel according to St. Luke, and part two of that same volume was the book of Acts. They traveled together through the early church around the churches of the Mediterranean, read as one volume, the church at Rome, the church at Jerusalem, the church in Osroini, Egypt, the church of Constantinople, then the emperor Constantine the Great, so that the different books of the New Testament traveled around the early church separately read respectively in the different churches around the Mediterranean world. So I'd like to start with a brief summary of how Luke, the gospel, was separated from Acts that in 325 A.D., under the Christian Emperor Constantine the Great, who fought under the banner of the cross with that great Latin phrase, sub signis vinci. Under this sign, we conquer. Called forth 
a great conference at Nicaea in 325 A.D., where he brought in the bishops from all the different Christian centers around the Mediterranean Empire to vote on which books would make up our Bible so that our Bible as it is did not come down from heaven in a hairy hand. But men voted which books would come in and which wouldn't. At that time then, because the Gospel of St. Luke was so similar to the Gospel of Matthew, to the Gospel of Mark, and even to the Gospel of John, they decided to separate the Gospel of Luke as a narrative of the life, ministry, passion, and mighty resurrection of Jesus from the dead and called those three, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the synoptic gospels, then add John to those four gospels who told the story basically the same way as you heard Pastor Josh and Koba preach. And then they added Acts to the back of the four gospels because it was basically a history of the nascent church. The beginnings of a new powerful social experiment in the history of human community. That slaves, free, Jews, Gentiles, black, white, brown could gather together overcoming their differences subsumed under the blood of Jesus Christ that ran in all of our veins so that we're part of one family. And the blood of Jesus runs in crimson rivulets in our hearts. And so as believers, we have the same spiritual and DNA. So, in order to understand the book of Acts, we must understand the back end of the book of Luke. So today, what I will do is read the back end of Luke briefly, not long, and the beginning of Acts so that you will see the connection that Luke had in mind when he wrote that one volume that was not divided until they voted on the canon at the Council of Nicaea in 325 and separated Luke from Acts and sandwiched John between the two. Is that clear? Okay. That said, follow me then. As I read from Luke 24, 49, and pay attention because I'm going to skip John and go directly to Acts 4 where you will see the connection at least in terminology. Pay attention to the words that connect the two passages. 
so that we can go back before 325 A.D. to see how the book traveled together in two parts. 2449, and behold, or as we would say in the hood, behold, and behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, and tarry ye. That's old King James language, the language of Shakespeare. And tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. Power from on high. Power. And let's go now to the book of Acts, chapter 1. And verse 4. And being assembled together with them. Commanded them. That they should not depart from Jerusalem. But wait. Wait. But wait. For the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard from me. For Jesus, for John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days from now. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore? the kingdom of Israel? And Jesus said to them, it's not for you to know the times of the seasons which the Father has put in his power, but, but, but you shall receive power. But, but, but you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And you shall be witnesses. Marturese. You shall be martyrs. Unto me. Both in Jerusalem, All of Judea. And unto the uttermost parts of the world. And so then you see the connection there. Don't you? between the end of Luke and the beginning of Acts for the historical lesson behind the sermon today that shows some important concepts that we as believers need to believe 2,000 years after the only man that ever, ever died and lived got up from the dead in three days, which is the cornerstone of Christian faith, which is if he did not rise up in three days, we're wasting our time in 84-degree weather under this outside tabernacle. It would not be a tabernacle. It would just be banquet tents. But because Jesus rose, they're not banquet tents. They're a tabernacle where the people of God come to worship the risen Lord. 
the risen Savior. You see the power of transformation. You see the power of the Holy Spirit blazing a trail down the corridors of time to this present day on this corner. And so now let's look at the text again. You see that when we talk about the promise of God that was given to Jesus so that Jesus could give it to us. You see, God the Father is not the baptizer. He's the promise keeper. But Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Ghost. When you were saved, he filled you and me with the Holy Spirit. Oh, there's consequences and positive results of that in gifts and fruit. But the Holy Ghost power was given to the 120 who came down and gave it to us so that in everyday life challenges, you and I can overcome the enemy and his assaults and challenges on our life because we live this life with power. So you see, when God promises that he will fill us with the Holy Ghost in the, gospel, in the, in the prophet Joel, chapter 2, verse 28, he says, In the latter days, he says, I will fill you with the Holy Spirit. And so that promise has been fulfilled. The upper room was filled with the Holy Ghost. And Mission Ebenezer's outside tabernacle is full of the Holy Ghost today. Holy Ghost and power that some of us have and some of us are looking for. That some of us have received since Jesus came into our heart and washed our sins away. That some of us received when Jesus broke the chains of bondage that have us attached to our old life. And now we've been given a new life in Christ Jesus our Lord. We no longer define ourselves by the things we do. We no longer define ourselves by the work of our hands. We no longer define ourselves by our busyness in everyday life. We no longer define ourselves by trying to prove anything to anybody by what we do. We are defined by the blood of Jesus Christ. And we're defined by the power of the Holy Spirit that lives in you and I. There lies our identity in Christ. You don't have to prove nothing to nobody. Jesus proved it on the cross. And because of what he did, that song says, we can face tomorrow. I like to change the song. I said, because of what he did, we can face today. Today's got enough problems of its own. Don't worry about tomorrow, honey. I came in this morning with problems of my own. I don't disvest myself of my trials, challenges, and problems on Saturday night and come to church under these tents holy. The people in the upper room were people like you and me. There were people like you and I. They came into the upper room with problems. They keep in doubting. They came in doubting Jesus. They came in worried about relatives that had been crucified by the Roman Empire. Jesus wasn't the first one to be crucified. Thousands of Jews were crucified by the Roman Empire for trying to establish a kingdom of military power. 
Because let me tell you how I know that the upper room crowd was just as bad off as we are. Everybody paying attention? Uh, unless everybody comes on Sunday morning and we're all perfect and we never fail. We, we fail in thought and deed every day. Indeed we do. But thank God for his power that forgives us if we repent and confess. There's room in the heart of Jesus for all of us. Well, you see, that upper room crowd was just as imperfect as we are today. Can you believe it? The risen Lord, Jesus, with scars in his hands and, and feet and a hole in his side like Coba. Came into the upper room. And for 40 days in the upper room and around Galilee and Jerusalem, they listened to the risen Lord preach about the power of God and about promises fulfilled. They're listening to the risen. Can you believe this? What would you do if the risen Lord walked in here physically right now? I know some of us would be hiding. How many of you hide? Ooh, Jesus knows. We'd be looking at our wife. Oh, honey, honey, don't tell Jesus I did that yesterday. Anybody follow me so far? That crowd was like this crowd today. You know how I know? Because Jesus is sitting there. He's talking about the power of God, the kingdom to come. The Beatitudes, be merciful, be kind, be forgiving, repent, love one another, help the poor, feed the 20,000 kids on the border inside of warehouses sleeping when we got a, a bed to sleep on and a shower and three squares a day, babies four and five and six years old, sitting down in the warehouses waiting. Their mama crying in Guatemala. How about some of you mothers if they put your babies in a holding tank? What would you do? What would you do? You said, oh, I'm glad they're in there. I'm glad those Mexicans are in there. Honey, let me tell you, that same crowd in the upper room is the same crowd here today. There was hatred up in there, anger up in there because Jesus didn't do what he was supposed to do, and he showed up late. I'm just like, are, are angry when Jesus shows up late. Somebody tell the truth. How about Mary and Martha? Where were you when my son, my, when, when our brother died? What kind of business do you have, Jesus? Our business comes first. Oh, I'm telling you, church, let me tell you something that's interesting in the upper room crowd. Here Jesus preaching about, and you shall receive power, and, and he taught about the kingdom for 40 days. And then, and, oh, man. Oh, I can't believe this. I'd like to say something, and I'm not going to say it today. I'm going to hold back because I know that you're thinking it. One of the disciples raised their hand. A few of them raised their hand. They, they had a little caucus over here. They had, they had the discipleship, when is Jesus coming back, caucus. And before Jesus showed up, they had already caucused and talked about it. It goes, which one of you is going to ask the question? Heck, I will. 
Oh, that's cute. I ain't got a hair on my tongue. And Jesus is teaching about the coming kingdom and, and what it's like. And it, it's like, blessed are the merciful, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those that seek after righteousness. Blessed are those that seek justice with mercy, not just justice alone. There's nothing as divine, Shakespeare said, but justice and mercy together. That was the bard, and today's his birthday. But some of us like justice, but we don't like mercy. I thank God that he had mercy upon me. In my failure, Jesus had mercy on me and gave me another chance to blow the cobwebs out of my soul and blow the dust out of my vocal cords and preach his word one more time by his mercy. I don't deserve to be up here. But by his mercy, not just his justice, not just his judgment, but judgment must have mercy with it. And here's the disciples sitting up in there. Are you, uh, we have a representative from the caucus, Jesus. When are you coming back, caucus? And uh, he's about to ask you a question, risen. We know you're risen. You've ate with us. You walk with us. You've got an 11th dimensional body that can walk through walls, walk on water. You've got a mind, a genius, multi-genius mind that can equalize the power of gravity so that you can walk on water and disperse atomic and molecular barriers so that you can walk right through a wall. But, but we have a question. Uh, when will you restore power to Israel so we can conquer the Romans? But if that question is not askew of whatever is reasonable, I don't know what is. How many times have we come off the wall with stuff with God? Yeah, but what about me? Oh, she's dying. Huh? Agendas. How many of us come before God with our personal, and we think it's a hidden agenda, but nothing's hidden to God. And we come up with our agenda items. Look, God, here's five things that you need to do before I go to church. I know my wife is trying to drag me there, but here's, here's five things that need to happen. A, I got to have that BMW. B, C, D, and E. No. Can you, can you imagine the exasperation of the risen Lord? To hear a question like that. And there's words for it that we don't let our kids use. Okay. Don't call your brother that. Don't call your sister that. The Canaleses don't call each other that. You can call uh, the Gonzaleses kids that, but... Don't call our kids that. You, you, you can call the, the Hendersons, the Peter Stevensons. Don't call our kids that. But, but listen, listen. Listen. Is everybody listening? Did they ask the right question? No, they said, when will you restore the power? And then let's go back to when uh, our mother said, can we sit on your right and left? And Jesus said, well, wait, wait, hold, hold on. This is not Christian Ouija. It's not, because some Christians still have a, they have a Christian Ouija board. It's just not, you know, in wood. It's up in here, right here. They're still looking at the horoscope and the daily breeze. 
right? And the brother said, what's my horoscope? You shall meet a tall, dark stranger. I'm not that way. Hold on, church. Is everybody paying attention? Hold on. Jesus said, but, here's the, here's the word, but you shall what? You shall receive power from on high. But, but, but you shall receive power. Not the kind of power you're thinking about. Not the kind of power you want. Is everybody listening? But you shall receive power. And then, and then something caught my eye. And what caught my eye is that we're always emphasizing in Pentecostal preaching and theology and any other kind of preaching and theology, we call it power from on high. But, I, but, but something caught my eye, and the phrase is ex hoopsus dunamin. Ex hoopsus, paying attention? Are you paying attention? You do not have the power, the word power by itself. Oh, it's dunamis. Oh, it's dunamin. You get dynamite. You get great. No, it's ex hoopsus dunamin. You have to look at the entire phrase. And ex means out of. And hoopsu means of the highest order or of the highest category. Power beyond power, transcending all kinds of human power. You will receive power, multidimensional, transcosmic, supernatural power that you have never seen of, the kind of power that changes lives, the kind of power that changes people one by one, that ultimately changes communities, that ultimately changes countries, that ultimately changes the world. You will receive power beyond nuclear power. You receive power to transform you inside of you. Life-changing power. What's the use of trying to change a country with tanks and bullets when all the individuals have not been transformed yet? You go from the minimal to the macro when it comes to God's power. Big things will happen if they haven't one life at a time. Oh, I hope God changes my family. No, I got to change first. Oh, I hope God changes my country. No, change starts with me. Remember the great man that said, don't ask what you can do, what your country can do for you, but ask what? What you can do for your country. And so church is ex hoopsu dunamin. Let's try that. Ex hoopsu dunamin. And that's the kind of power that Jesus. He goes, they were concerned about earthly material power. They were concerned about splitting up the power. They had tried it on Jesus once before, remember? Oh, Jesus, you know what? My name is uh, uh, Mary. Mary. And um, just wondering, uh, Jesus, Rabbi, if when you come into your kingdom that uh, James could sit on the right side and, and, uh, and um, yeah, and John could sit on the left. Well, hey, I'm not about that kind of power. And only God can do that. But I tell you what, 
There's power for you to change. There's power for you to change. And so, church, what kind, uh, how, how, how do we get that power? Well, first, what did Jesus say? He said, go to Jerusalem and do what? What, 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 what? Wait. Persevere. He said, go to Jerusalem and do what? He said, go there and get in your car and drive down 95 miles an hour down to Lamo? No. He said, run across the red light. I'm not going to confess. Main and Torrance Boulevard, 7.30 in the morning. Coming to church, no traffic. Now, you know, it's hard to wait. How many of you have come to the light, right, and, 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 you know, you're sitting in your old car, and all of a sudden someone pulls up next to you in a Lamborghini. And, you know, it's, it's a little lower than the van, so they're looking up at you going, and, 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 and then, fool, man, this is a van. And, and. Is everybody listening to me? I mean, you know what's going to happen as soon as the light turns what? Green. There you go. The power of waiting. And here comes the van. You're creeping along. Me and Pipa are in the car. We're driving 25 miles an hour. There's a red light a mile down the road, and we get there, and guess who's there? The green light barely turns green. Now, I've taught my oldest grandson a lesson. As Elisha Michael, he'll tell you he can come up here and finish his sermon. Every time we come to a red light, what do I say, Elisha? Wait, because you, oh, my, my father used to say in, you know, butchered English, you always get you turned. Not a U-turn. And so, Elisha and I come to the light. The green light turns on. We wait a split second. I've seen accidents happen when people just take off. Right? The light turns green, split second. Elisha says, okay, Papa, it's time. And so we take off. We get to the red light. And guess who's sitting there next to the van? Yen, 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 yen. We drive down the road another mile, get to a red light, and guess who's sitting there waiting? Because he has to wait. But God has called us to wait. To wait for what? He says to wait there for the promise of God. Because his promises are yes and amen. His promises are true. His promises are to be kept. He does, he's not a man that he should lie. If God made a promise to you, God will keep that promise to you. If you will wait. For God to move, God is good if you wait on him. You know, it's interesting what the word here for wait is. The word there is kathesate, which is present active indicative, imperative, excuse me. The mood of command. Jesus is not saying again, could you please wait for me? Could you, could you guys just hold on? I'll be there. I'll be there. No, Jesus is saying, wait. And the word is kathesate, which means sit down. 
sit down, sit still, sit focused, sit quietly, don't move. I'm coming. Wait until I come back, for surely if I have promised it, I will do it. If I have told you I'm not a man to lie, I will, I will, I will bring the promise upon you if you wait patiently with endurance and patience and perseverance. I mean, we can't wait. we got to get this car, right? Then six months later, the transmission breaks. Oh, i got to get this washing machine. It's got all those gadgets on it. You get it home and you can't work it. How many of us can't wait? You know what happens when we don't wait? We're on our own schedule. We're doing our own will. We talk Christianity, but we're not waiting upon the Lord. We got to wait. We're so busy. God wants our busyness to stop. We're a busy culture. We're a busy society. The faster, the better. But with all of that, we're so busy doing our thing that we forget about what thing God is doing in us. And we got to stop and wait to listen, God, Jesus, what are you doing in my life? What are you doing in my church? What are I doing in my family? What am I doing in my children? What are you doing in this world? Lord Jesus, help me to just sit down and wait. Augustine said the hardest thing for a man to do is sit down and wait. Church, we got to stop our business to see what God is doing inside of me. What is God telling me? Not too long ago, the Lord said to me, uh, I was sitting there waiting. Am I okay, honey? She gave me that look. You're getting too excited up there. You're going to have high blood pressure attacks. But church, listen, no, pay attention. Pay attention. God has called each and, one of, each and every one of us to wait on the Lord. For if you wait on the Lord, you shall renew your strength. You shall mount up with wings like eagles. You can run and not be weary. You can walk and not faint. If we wait upon the Lord, if we wait on what God is saying, not what I'm saying, not what I'm doing. You know what another problem is? When we're busy doing, doing stuff like a Martha, when we're busy doing stuff, we begin to define ourselves by the things we do. We begin to define ourselves by the works of our hands. That's why God told Moses, take the sandals off your feet when you stand in front of that bush. Nothing that you wear will be done by your hands. Stand on the rocks and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God, thus saith the Lord. So church, we need to practice being still and only it comes from Jesus. Amen. Kathesate. Sit. I tell you what, the Canales, Nickerson, and Henderson clan have the biggest trouble waiting of any clan that I know. I'm serious. We have a no waiting clan. Let me start with Brother Judah. Let me go on to Brother Joseph. Let me go on to Hannah Lupe. Let me go on to Benjamin. Let me go on to Beatrice. Let me go on to Coba and Josh, and David. Not me. <laughs> Let me go on to Rita, my lovely wife. God bless her. Waiting is not in our DNA. Have you ever seen my wife? Yeah, she's always busy. 
She hasn't sat down to listen to one whole sermon that I ever preached in my life. Right? She's the only person I know that can say amen sleeping. I say, church, did you hear that? She'll be back there. But as far as being up there registering people, taking care of the sheepfold, I have never seen anybody more dedicated to Jesus Christ than that woman. I'm telling you, we need to quit running around. We need to wait on the Lord. We need to wait patiently for God's timing, not ours. We need to wait patiently on God and his will. Be still and know that I am God. We need to steal our desires. We need to quiet the lusts of our mind and heart. We need to quiet down the voice. Of temptation in our hearts. And of the sirens. Singing on that rock in the middle of the ocean. And the sailors strapped to the mast. Covering their ears. For the song of the sirens. What is the purpose of the infilling of the Holy Spirit and the reason for waiting for the baptism of Jesus is to empower you and me to bring hope to the world. It's to empower you and me to bring salvation to a family member that everybody gave up on. It's to bring hope to someone dying of COVID that nobody could visit. It's to pray for that person that has cancer in your family that's suffering from that illness that nobody can cure. It's to bring salvation to that family member who's lost in the depths of addiction. To that family member that's in a rehab home right now trying to recover from something that he can't do on his own. But if he waits there, there's power in the name of Jesus to bring him out whole, restored, revived again. No, the upper room disciples were much like we are today. Burdened, afflicted, doubting, hurting, hoping, paralyzed by fear, can't go to church, we might get COVID. Folks, don't worry about me today. I'm divinely protected and doubly inoculated. Don't worry about your pastor. Although I, I will wear the mask, and I hope Chiquito's going to kill me for this, for cosmetic reasons. <laughs> Hoping for our stimulus checks, as per Pastor Frank, with that smile on him, I know he got his. Will we see tithes on it? Praise God, Pastor. Praise God. Wishing our daughters would pick a better boyfriend. Wishing our sons would pick a better girlfriend. Moms and dads wondering and praying, are there any good, are there any good kids left for my own? Oh, but I tell you what, there surely is by the mercy of God. 
There surely is. There surely is. Surrounded by negators. Surrounded by each other, yet each one of us in some way or another is really lonely. When will this stop? Why did she drown her three babies? Why did he show up at the FedEx office and kill eight people? Why did she microwave her six-month-old? Why so many mass murders in our country? Why are the alleys of downtown L.A. littered with heroin needles? Why are the funeral homes backed up? Why are there bodies in frozen refrigerated trucks from the COVID? I tell you what. But you shall receive power. But you shall receive power to overcome. But you shall receive power to go on another day. But you shall receive power in spite of the trial, the challenge, the mountains that there's no strength to walk up. For in the latter days, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and daughters shall prophesy, and your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions, Nehemiah projects, bigger churches, bigger congregations, a bigger heart for the lost, and your sinners shall come to know Jesus. And no matter how bad you feel today, how greatly you failed God, greater than your failure is his outrageous mercy. Greater than your deepest sin is his highest love. There's nobody but God. In, but, but, but you shall receive power in the name of Jesus. You shall receive power. You shall receive hope for a better tomorrow. You shall receive joy unspeakable and full of glory. You shall receive boldness to overcome your shyness and to go out into the world and tell those that don't know Jesus, Oh, what a blessing Jesus has been to my life. He could change your life too. That's what the Holy Ghost is for. Would you stand with me, church? Do you need that power today? Close your eyes with me, please. Just a couple of questions. Is there anybody here this morning that's like that upper room crowd? You say, Jesus, I need that power today. I need to stop doubting. I need the waves of uncertainty to die at this shore of disbelief. I need faith, Lord, just to get by when I get back home today. And all that mess breaks loose one more time. I, need, I just need extra grace. I need you to convince me that it's going to be okay as long as I keep trusting in you, Lord. 
I'm going to be okay. That you're going to use me once again. Like you used me before. I know, Lord Jesus, that I need strength not to compare myself to other people, but just to look inside to see what you're doing in my heart. I'm going to ask you a final question. Is there anybody here who is not satisfied doing things on your own strength? But this morning you need ex hoopsu dunamis. You need outrageous power. You need ridiculous, ridiculous faith-changing power. Someone here, you can be a Christian or a non-Christian. You could be faithless or faithful. But if you need that extra oomph that comes from God, post-nuclear, cosmic, life-changing power, that comes from the cross and the power of the resurrection. Let's pray this prayer. Heavenly Father, I believe you keep your promises. Give me expectant faith that when I wait, you always bring something good. Give me the faith to act on it before I see it. To build the ark before it rains. To walk up the mountain with my son. Although there's no lamb, knowing you will show up. To declare a thing done because you have power to fulfill it. Give me power to sit down and hear from you. Give me power just for today for I know that you're in charge of tomorrow. Forgive my faithlessness. Forgive my sins. I repent of my sins. Wash my mind. Wash my heart. Endue me with your Holy Spirit. And give me confidence to share with someone else at home or at work or in the hospital about your power to keep your promise.